This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here, my guest this week in the studio, Paula Chambers. Thanks for being on with us today, Paula. Thanks for having me. Paula is a woman of uh, countless hats. She's a performance artist. She's an artisan. She's an entertainer. And dare I say, you're an athlete. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You also call yourself a flow arts mama. We're going to find out what flow arts are All as right. we go along. You call yourself an ambassador <laughs> for the flow arts movement. Paula is the kind of person who likes to get together with different people. Yes. Make things, do things, set things up. You call yourself a co-creator. Yes. You like working with people. I do. I'm all about groups and service and collaboration. And there's plenty of it that you do. For instance, uh, several years ago, you founded the Hudsucker Posse, yes. which is a big gang of people. Big troop who, of folks. Who are they? What do they do? The Hudsucker Posse um, is a flow arts collective. And flow arts is defined as most circus props and what we call skill props. So hula hoops, poi, staff, that's the trifecta, hoops, poi, and staff. And then you have fans, um, and then it includes the aerial arts now. You have aerial like silks, the silks, and lyra, and so silks and lira, chandelira. Um, but originally, we just had hula hoopers. And then the group has grown since 2009. Is that when you is. started it? I did. Uh -uh. I did. I co-founded the troupe in 2009 with two lovely ladies here in Bloomington, and we learned how to make our own hoops because there weren't any. I understand that uh, you have continued to make your own hoops. You've made over a thousand hoops. I have. How I, do you make them? Um, we use irrigation tubing and polypro tubing, so we use different kinds of plastics for different um, styles of hooping. So depending on the weight and springiness of the materials, we make uh, we make our own hoops and put you know beautiful tapes on them and then use them for uh, dance. I buy materials all over you know Lowe's, Menards, and then I order some materials online that I can't source locally, and then I make hoops for people who want them and we use them to perform and for fitness and so it's all there's this sort of Venn diagram of fun fitness and then flow sort of is that middle state where they everything intersects well uh, for our listeners out there if you were at the fourth of july parade yesterday you would have seen paula and her gang uh, quite a number of them uh, doing their thing how how do you do this while you're walking in a parade it's that's got to be hard it is hard to walk and hoop at the same time we we practice. I mean, everything in flow arts is really all about practice, practice, practice. And it's the process, not the end result. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind the parade is it's open to anyone who wants to march with us. We've been doing it for years and years and years. We've won a few times uh, for best marching entry. I think we won in 2012. Huh. So we just have a blast. It's just a fun day for the whole group. It's a really nice bonding experience. Anyone can march with us. And they can juggle or play a drum or uh, ride a skateboard and juggle, which we had last year. Yikes. And then hooping. Uh, while you walk and hoop. So you can spin it on your hand if you can't um, hoop on the waist and, and walk along with the, with the parade. It's a blast. 
How many people are interested in this here in Bloomington? Well, our Facebook group has over 500 members. So uh, on average, I would say we get <clears throat> anywhere from a handful of six to 10 people to up to 30 people at our twice weekly jams that are in Bryan Park. Outdoor jams. Outdoor jams in season from March to October. We're at Bryan Park on the Henderson Street side, and those are free and open to anyone. Is this sort of an informal class setting in a way? It's it's completely free form. Uh -huh. um, people, people just show up, they bring their props, I bring music or someone brings music. Uh, and we flow to music and practice and skill share. There's a lot of skill sharing. So newcomers can come and they're not necessarily taking a class, but they might say, hey, can you show me how to do such and such? And then any members that are willing to share skills work with the newcomers. And then people that are just there to flow just might go out a little further into the park and jam out to the music and practice their skills or dance and just have a great time. It must be a riot just to go out there and watch. Oh yeah, a lot of people just come and walk by and wander through and ask us, you know, who are you? What are you guys doing? <laughs> so um, the twice weekly jams are just an informal meetup for the entire community. But out of the Hudsuckers has grown a performance troupe and we've performed all over the country with uh, members that have really applied themselves and practiced and want to perform and have that have that stage bug. Mm -hmm. So Do you can, do yeah. sort of choreographed routines? Yes. We um, have choreographed many, many routines before. We also do ambient flow performances where um, a lot of the charities in Bloomington will contact us and we'll go out and just be uh, ambient entertainment. So we'll come in costume, but uh, we don't have a specific routine in mind. We'll just be there as individuals to so, sort of add some fun flavor to a lot of events. And the list is very long of people that we've done that for, including uh, Lotus, um, the AIDS Walk, Pride, uh, Pride Film Fest and Pride Summer Fest. Tons and tons of, tons and tons of groups have had us come out and entertain. Is it mostly women who do this? I would say by and large, certain props attract certain genders. Okay. But it's not a gender-specific thing at all. Um, I would say, by and large, hoopers are female, but that's mm -hmm. not entirely true. We have male hoopers right now, even in the troop. And then, of course, we have people who are gender-fluid, uh, transgender, uh, non-gender-identifying um, people. Everyone can enjoy the flow arts, mm -hmm. all, all ages, families. My daughter hoops with me and has since she was 16. Um, it's really a wonderful family activity that anyone can do. What brought you into this, this now passion? I saw Hula Hoopers at Lotus Festival in October of 2008. The uh -huh. March, 4th, March 4th marching band was what inspired me to start the Hudsucker Posse. And I saw those girls with their striped tights and crinolines and hula hoops, and I said, this will be mine. And we couldn't find any hoops, so Evangeline and Laurel and I figured out how to make our own, and the Hudsuckers was born, and it became the juggernaut that took over my life, and I love it so much. Now, who, who are Evangeline and Laurel? Those are the gals that were my closest friends that wanted to hoop with me at the very beginning. They were as much into it as you oh, were. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Highly involved. Um, and... We started jamming once a week on every Sunday, and so many people came that we added that second Wednesday jam. Hmm. So we've hosted over 900 free jams in Bloomington since 2009. And then you got into starting to make your own, as you say. Yep. It must have 
must cost a little money to make that kind of thing. It is an investment in the tools. The materials aren't particularly expensive on their own, but yeah. once you combine them all and then with the tools that you need, um, I don't think hoops cost around thirty or forty dollars retail for adult circus hula hoops. Not like what you would buy that not the the cheap kind that you yeah. buy at the. So the there craft are different store. there are different qualities absolutely of, of the things Huge and so where do you go differences. where do you go to get the good quality stuff? Well, from a maker like myself here in Bloomington or um, like Etsy, there's uh-huh. a lot of uh, really beautiful hoop makers on Etsy. The small hoops that are sold, say, at the craft stores um, are mostly for kids, and they're kid-sized, ah. so they're tiny. And so most people come and say, oh, well, I can't do it, because they're trying to use their grandchild's hoops. Ah. Um, and so you need a hoop that's about at least, I would say, 38 inches uh, in diameter to begin with to do adult hoop, hula hooping. And it's based on your body metric. That's over three feet. So if you're curvy or a tall man would need a much bigger hoop um, because physics. You just need a larger hoop to start adult hula hooping. And then you can maybe later get a little bit smaller, but the smaller the hoop, you have to go faster. Ah. So people like to start out nice and slow. It's great cardio, and um, you need a bigger hoop to begin with. It's angular momentum. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, Centrifugal force. Yeah. Now, when you started... You said you, you saw it first in 2008. Yes. When you started, was it hard? Yes. Oh, my gosh. We, uh, all of us could hardly keep it up at really? our first meeting. And we watched some YouTube videos, and mm-hmm. we were seeing these amazing hoopers do amazing tricks. We learned two tricks at our first meetup, and we were so thrilled that we could <laughs> do these two very simple tricks. And people ask me now, like, how do you do all this stuff? Like it's just practice. Yeah. You just it's you don't sit down at the piano, and play Mozart. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't pick up a hula hoop and know how to do you know all the tricks that you see, the performance team do now. Mm. So we just encourage people to just keep trying. You're at a point. You're about ten years on. Yes. Into it. I am. Do you have more to go? Oh, absolutely. I'm. I've barely scratched the surface of what's possible with the flow arts being an uh, ambassador for the flow uh, arts, um, educating people about what that means. Um, and certainly my skills could always use improvement and learn how to do more. As I described you earlier, I, I would say you're an athlete uh, doing this kind of stuff. What have you developed physically because of your hoop work? Oh, gosh. Um, I had uh, herniated discs in my neck. Huh. and. Before. Before. Yeah. And I lost about a year of my life in about 2007 and 2008. Right before this. Right before this. And when I started hooping, doing shoulder hooping and neck hooping in particular, strengthened the muscles in my neck and back. That is amazing. My pain is almost zero um, from the disc problems that I had in my neck because it strengthens all the muscles around the spine. Mm. So it's really great for you. Um, it's a great cardio workout. It burns about 420 calories an hour. Yikes. So a good workout, a good hoop session, you can really burn some calories and get in shape. I dropped about three dress sizes <laughs> when I first started hooping. But it was that was a, light, a nice side effect. I didn't start hooping to lose weight or get right. fit. I started hooping because I wasn't having enough fun. And I saw these gals having so much fun at March 4th Marching Band, and I wanted to have more fun. And so it has added this amazing 
aspect of play into my life, and now I consider myself a play professional because I try to facilitate that experience of play and joyfulness for others. You're Bloomington's ambassador of fun, or ambadassador of fun. Exactly. (laughs) As we said yesterday, July 4th parade. You did that. You're a fixture at the July 4th parade. Yes. In August, there's a big deal coming up, a va-va-va-vaudeville. What's that all about? The va-va-va-vaudeville show is the brainchild of the DNA, the Dance Network Alliance. Uh I was on the um, Arts Alliance of Greater Bloomington uh, steering committee for three years, I believe, and there were guilds for each genre, but the dancers didn't have a guild in Bloomington. So I started the DNA and as a way to connect all the dance groups in Bloomington. Um, you have dancers all over. You've got belly dancers and modern dancers and ballet dancers and contra dancers and tappers, hula hoop dancers. All of these dance genres didn't have a collective and they didn't have a voice um, or representation or stages to perform in. I'm very big into advocating for more stages in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Please, 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 if you're listening. Build more stages for performers in Bloomington because um, we, do, we just don't have enough places to perform. Uh-huh. Like literally, we have the Waldron, lovely theater. We have the BCT, lovely theater. Buzzcart Chumley Theater. The BPP certainly has plays. They rent, but not a lot of availability. Right. Um, Cardinal doesn't have a permanent stage. They rent from these other places, which then makes it hard for other groups to get scheduled. Yeah. We have to share um, stage spaces everywhere, um, so it can get be hard to book a venue. Uh, Serendipity has a nice little stage that we've done several productions at, yes. but we can't do aerials there. It's a small nightclub uh-huh. without a lot of ceiling height. It's hard to juggle more than a few clubs in that uh, in that venue. So there's lovely people around town that have um, nightclubs, but then that excludes anyone under 21. Mm-hmm. So you can't have kids in the show. You can't have kids attend the show. So Vava Vavaudeville will be at the BCT August 18th. We'll mm-hmm. have a matinee for kids and then an evening more adult risque show, um, adding some burlesque acts and drag uh, acts to the bill for the evening show. And we, um, the DNA got an um, art startup grant from the BCT to do that show. I see. It's a three-year commitment. We're in our second year. The shows were amazing last year. We um, had big houses for both the matinee and the evening show, and we hope to do that again. All of these things that you're starting up and that you're participating in, they all come about because of that 2008 discovery? They do. I also have a history in the theater. Uh, Uh I graduated from the Academy for the Performing Arts in Chicago. Uh So I have a history in theater. And I studied directing and choreography and acting and dance at the academy. So I'm putting to use my um, my prep school education in Chicago. And I did theater since the age of about seven. So I love the theater. I love to direct and produce shows. That's probably my big passion, that and um, leather work. I consider myself a maker. I make Uh, and design leather handbags, which I've been doing uh, since I was about 16 years old. I apprenticed to a leather craftsman here in Brown County and uh, spent the last 34 years making leather. And then I make productions. So I make theater productions and direct and produce, and I co-create with other groups in Bloomington 
And it's all under this big umbrella of Paula being a maker, and that's where Flow Motion Events was born, that's where the Hutsucker Posse was born, and that's where Fearless Ringleader was born. And Paula being a collaborator. Yes. I don't work well alone. Really? I really don't. Why not? It just doesn't give me any energy. Huh. Uh, I get a lot. I'm extremely extroverted. When I take all those, you know, the Myers-Briggs tests, I'm like 99% extroverted. Huh. I, I get a lot of energy from co-collaborating and working with others, sharing ideas. I don't do well by myself just sitting in my studio. I really mm -hmm. like to have um, a lot of input and a lot of stimulus and feedback. Hmm. I am a writer. And that's about as solitary as it gets. Completely opposite end of the spectrum. Isn't that funny? But one thing that uh, uh, we learn, well, some of us, you go out in public to do your solitary thing because you hear activity around you which energizes and inspires you. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit of what you're saying. I get a ton of energy from seeing these super young, talented artists exploring the flow arts. They are breaking the boundaries of what can be done with some of these skill props. It is mind-blowing. It's jaw-dropping. And I get tears every time I see a show with these um, talented, talented circus performers. I get, I get choked up. No it's just kidding. amazing. It yeah. really touches a place in me that is uh, inspired. And I'm, I get so proud. I get proud for these young artists that they're working so hard and that they have this amazing performances to show for it. The hula hoop was a big deal a little bit before I was born in the 1950s. It was a fad back then. Yes. Now, I guess people were buying them like crazy and they did it a little and then they put them to the side. Yes. And then it sort of dropped off the face of the earth. It did. Coming back? Coming back in the early thousands, I believe, or uh -huh. the late 90s, the string cheese incident somehow threw a bunch of hula hoops out into the crowd at their shows. The band. Yes, uh -huh. the string cheese incident. And it became a big thing at their shows. And some of the very early hoopers that are considered the OG hoopers now yeah. in my genre, in this generation, started hooping at those string cheese shows. Anna Reichenbach, who's known as Hoopalicious, one of the first hoopers out there. And then also that got carried down to hoopers like um, Jonathan Livingston Baxter, who is my personal guru that I've studied with all over the country, master hooper, uh, Vivian Spiral. Uh, many, oh, my gosh, there's so many. I can't even name them all. Master hoopers, do they uh, gain their reputation just by word of mouth, or is there a licensing or certification? There Type is thing? one hoop certification that I know of. Hoop Nautica certifies hoopers, hula hoop teachers, huh. but it's not like yoga teacher training, really. Yeah. They just built their own personal practice, yeah. and they develop their own style, and they travel and teach. So they might have a YouTube channel, but primarily they go on these tours all over the country and the world um, and teach hooping and gain a lot of notoriety and then spread their methods through that through that way. So do you pay for this kind of training? Oh yeah, you, it's just like going to um, uh, any kind of conference. You pay for your ticket for the weekend and yeah. you'll hoop and get instruction for three days and nights and then hang out with other hoopers or other flow artists or other jugglers. There's something in every genre. 
There's big conferences in the juggling community, which is a very old and well-established community. Sure. Much older than the hooping community in yeah. this country. But then you've got hooping that's been around for about 18 years now. And then the acro yoga people are now really gaining a ton of steam with the acrobatics. Uh-huh. I told you earlier, uh, before we started recording, that I was going to pop a name on you. I want to see if okay. you know who this person is. I was watching a mystery movie on Netflix. And the name of that is uh, Handsome. And it stars Jeff Garland, Amy Sedaris, and Natasha Lyonne. And at the start of this show, there's a hooper. The hooper is under the credits, sort of a, a silhouette of a hooper. And man, you should see the, the figure of this person is like one of the greatest athletes you've ever seen. This person is like a rock. That person's name is Rachel Sullivan. Rachel, absolutely. You've heard of her. I, absolutely. I follow Rachel on Instagram. Um, she goes by Dances with Circles. Yes. And Rachel has about 20,000 followers. Oh. And she is a beautiful, beautiful hooper. I've not met Rachel in person. But I've seen many of her videos, and she's a stunning, stunning hooper, extremely skilled. And she's not just doing things from left to right, but up and down and backward and forward. Uh, in it's, every plane and yeah. every direction. Rachel's a dancer, um, and she really expresses that with the hoops as a prop, as an extension of her form. Yeah. Really beautiful stuff. It almost looks as though she's defying gravity. Yes. She has a certain style that's very smooth. She's smooth. She's a very smooth style. Um, she doesn't have a fast style like Rachel Lust, uh -huh. who's known to set world records for speed hooping, uh -huh. like X number of breaks and paddles in a minute or something like that. So she has a very smooth dance style, and she's just beautiful. When you do it, uh, are you more slow or more fast? I'm a lyrical hoop dancer. So I come from a contemporary dance background, and so my style of hooping is very much a combination of ballet, jazz, and modern dance oh. with hoops. So if you've seen me hoop, it's more of a smooth dance style, more of a slower lyrical style. There's other hoopers in Bloomington that are very quick and fast staccato style. Tell us some of the songs, for instance, that you might do a routine to. Oh, goodness. We perform to a lot of um, We Love Beats Antique is a big f popular uh, genre amongst hoopers and circus artists. I personally like a group right now called Drum Spider. Mm -hmm. Hamsalila I like a lot. I love Bonobo. I like Emancipator. I like um, Slow Down Tempo. So like the chill stations on Spotify and the Slow Down Tempo. And then if I want something upbeat, I'll go for an electro swing. I'd like to try it myself one of these days. We could get you a big hoop, Mike, I'm, and you could try it. I could show you how. I'm telling you, I need to work on my back and on my neck to strengthen those things. Hooping it, could very much help you. As you age, those things get a little uh, slack. Uh, I say use it or lose it. There you go. How can one find out... Uh, how to get in contact with you. You can go to thehudsuckers.com. You can find the Hudsucker Posse on Facebook under groups forward slash hoop dancers. Let us uh, spell that. 
That is H-U-D-S-U-C-K-E-R. Hudsucker. Where does the name come from? Um, The Hudsucker Posse is a play on words from the Coen Brothers film, The Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Which is about the fictitious inventor of the hula hoop. (laughs) And so we were originally just the Hudsuckers. Yeah. And so many people came. My daughter said, Mom, you've got a posse. And we went, oh, that's a groaner. But we became the Hudsucker Posse instead of the Hudsucker Proxy. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Lafayette, Louisiana. You were? Yeah, I was born uh, down south. My dad was down there at university. And then we moved to southeast Texas, where my dad was a professor at a small little college in Commerce. And then we moved to... Commerce, Texas? Commerce, Texas. Uh We were the Chambers of Commerce. Get out of uh, here. I know, that's Speaking really bad. of grown. That's bad. Uh, then we moved to southern Illinois to a little town called Park Forest, south Illinois, where my dad taught at Governor State University. And that's where I did yeah. uh, theater as a kid and actually trained with an Emmy Award-winning producer from NBC. You mentioned uh, some of your education specifically was art school education. Yes, absolutely. So I did theater as a child at the university uh-huh. and then um, became involved in all the, all the school plays. And I sang in the choir and I was on the dance team in high school. And then my junior and senior year, I got accepted to the Academy for the Performing Arts in Chicago. Yeah. And my mom and I moved to the city. And I lived in Chicago for those years and um, studied theater. I had a theater major with a minor in dance. How did you get down here? I came to Bloomington in the 80s, the summer before my senior year. I I visited Bloomington and I loved it here. And then just kind of wound up here as a place to be because Chicago is rather expensive to be a young artist. Came here, uh, didn't do theater when I got here. I was pursuing my leather craft career at that point. So that was in a way your first love. Yes, I love leather. And that was born out of sewing lots of costumes Uh for lots of being in lots of plays. And, you know, being sort of middle class, we didn't have a lot of money for costumes. And my mother knew how to sew. And my sister is a very accomplished seamstress. And we made all of our own costumes. And then I discovered leather. And so when I moved to Bloomington, I sought out a a place to buy leather and wound up meeting a lovely leather worker who was at By Hand Gallery, one of the founders, Judy Buckmaster. Mm-hmm. And I went out to her house and she hired me on the spot. Oh. And I apprenticed with Judy for nine years from the age of about 19 to about 28 or so. So you have made handbags? I have. Leather, I I would assume. I love making leather handbags. I'm still a designer. Still doing it? Yep, still doing it. I have a studio at the Fell Building and I'm there three days a week. You used to have a boutique over at Kirkwood and Walnut. I did. That's what, how you and I met. That is true. How did? What did you sell? Um, the Dance Circus uh, was a ballet boutique. And that was, again, born out of my love for dance and dancewear. And the dancewear store here was closing. Costume Delights was closing. Ah. And so I bought the Capizio distributorship from oh. them and then opened a boutique. And then I also had the opportunity to have... Uh, the hula hoops in there and yeah. bring in the flow arts and do uh, stuff for ballet. Paula Chambers, she's an entertainer, she's an athlete, she's a teacher, she's a flow arts mama. Paula Chambers, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's been awesome.
Oh, 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 oh,